0: This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with Suzanne Sears. Suzanne is the president of Best Retail Careers Canada, and uh, she's also the head of the recently launched Luxury Careers Canada, as well as Retail Staffing Canada. Welcome, Suzanne.
1: Hi, Craig. Nice to join you again.
0: It's always great to talk with you. Uh, Talking about staffing in Canada again uh, at a very challenging time. Uh, We're obviously uh, in the midst of a pandemic and we're coming up to two years of the uh, COVID 19 pandemic situation that we've been in. This has obviously impacted retail in a very significant way. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, a bit of an Ontario focus right now, I think. the minimum wage—it uh, was just announced—it would be increasing to fifteen dollars, which is still not enough unlof- enough for really anyone to live off of in Ontario. But it's a start. It's a start, I guess. <laughs> Suzanne, what do you think? Of, what, what do you think about this uh, increase in terms of uh, the impact that it's going to have on retailers? And uh, and uh, let's chat about this a little bit here.
1: Um, this was the same amount of money offered in two thousand eighteen on the Kathleen Wynne platform that Doug Ford cancels. So I'm sorry to say, um, it's not resonating well. It's having no impact in terms of encouraging people to accept the frontline jobs whatsoever. Um, it's almost like a retroactive little bonus and it's only pennies more than the 1435 that went into effect last month. Mm-hmm. So it basically has, a uh, zero effect on retail staffing other than it digs into the pockets a little bit of the retailers um, because now of course they're going to be hiring no less than 15 but often what happens is the guy was making 15 now wants 16 and that trickles through the entire system so it takes a little bit of a bite out of wage budgets for the retailers but in terms of uh, solving retail staffing problems it's probably not even a, a blimp on the radar, make no difference. I mean, we, we saw in the federal numbers last week that um, the unemployment rate is down to 6.7%, which is what they say it was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But yet all these jobs are empty. So what happened? Um, are there more businesses now? Well, that would be counterintuitive. There's not more businesses now. Probably less. Um, So where are all the missing workers? Where are they all? Well, I can tell you about 20% of the missing worker pool decided to take early retirement or retirement and simply left. They just aren't there now. Um, So when that happens, of course, the middle managers get bumped up to higher roles, and that leaves a huge vacancy uh, from the mid-workers down to the street workers. And $15 an hour has not prompted anybody to do cartwheels, as Mr. Ford thought that they would. (laughs) So the problem is actually exacerbated now in many ways. The general rule of thumb out there is it's a candidate's market. You can sit back and refuse to pay it and do without staff. But if you don't have 17 to $20 an hour to offer, your roles are probably going vacant or vacant for a very long time.
0: Wow. Which really has a bad impact on, on retailers uh, in terms of staffing. We've talked about this in the past where, right. the la- let's say, a lack of an employee can have a profound effect on the uh, profitability of, of a business. And remind me what the numbers are because, right. honestly, I don't remember at this point. <laughs>
1: Well, essentially, uh, you know, MIT out of Boston studied this and they've studied it for years. And the formula is always the same. If you're paying someone $1,000 a month, you're losing $4,000 in sales if that person isn't there. And, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around that thought process. But basically, every person who's been scheduled into a team has a critical revenue delivering function whether it's to cover the staff on the floor, supply the warehouse, um, in head office, doing the planning and the allocation. Every time one of those dominoes is missing, some customer somewhere gets let down. If it's at street level, there wasn't enough sales staff to handle the customers in the store. If it was at the warehouse level, the inventory did, isn't there in the store at the time it needs to be. If it's at planning, a refill, a reorder on a hot item didn't get refilled. When you add up the losses of missing rolls, the factor of four is really the bottom line of how much money you will lose by not filling your jobs. But if anybody ever really wants this report, and it's very scientific You'd have to go to MIT and ask them for a copy of it because it became a concern. Um, You know, a lot of people think, well, we're saving money. We're doing the work of four people with three. Well, it turns out you really aren't because the three people left to carry the whole load get pretty resentful. (laughs) (laughs) So, and there's certainly, you can't have, you know, if the old way we used to be trained in retail anyway, was this door, wants to do a million dollars. How many sales clerks do we need on the floor to generate a million dollars? And they would calculate it all out. Let's say that was seven. So you would budget for seven people on staff. If all of a sudden you only have four, you're not going to sell a million dollars. No matter what, it's not going to happen. You built your business model around X number of people generate X number of sales. So if they're missing... You're missing money in the till. Mm. And I stress over and over again, you don't save a cent by not spending your wage budget. Jeez. You're hurting yourself.
0: So it's it's spending money to make money, essentially.
1: Effectively, right. I mean, it's easy to visualize that in a factory. Uh, if you know th- that it takes, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, 100 people to build a car, And 20% of those people along the assembly line are missing. You can't build cars at the pace that you need to, to be profitable. Well, honestly, retail isn't a whole lot different than that. You need X number of people to generate X number of sales. So you can either revise your sales targets down, revise them up and add more staff, but something's got to give the two, the two work in sync.
0: Very, very interesting now warehouse mm-hmm. warehouse workers this is something I thought was interesting. um and we just talked about this right before the podcast as well is uh, right. you know, I saw Amazon and other companies offering and I think over twenty dollars <coughs> an hour uh, for for warehouses and, and and my question was, well, these aren't even the public facing faces right. you know, like they're not the frontline workers in the stores. these are people working in warehouses well, making more the money thing,
1: the thing to understand about warehouse people be they pickers, loaders, unloaders, stackers, managers, um, inventory input analysts, the whole set of machinery that goes into running a retail warehousing facility. Because of Amazon, because of um, some of the big game providers, because of the way Walmart is running now, this is no longer a less desirable job. This is a hot, hot job. This is a job where they're giving one, two, three thousand dollar bonuses to sign on. This is a job where they're paying for you to take a, a college degree in logistics and supply chain. This is the hottest ticket um, in retail careers right now. Wow, there's been a flood of people going into this sector that would have never done so, thinking that warehousing wasn't glamorous enough. Well, that's where the money and the career progress is. So when you when you factor in that effect, now let's go to a typical big-box store, which has receiving trucks coming in at 6 in the morning. And then all the skids are coming off. Someone has to unload the truck. Someone has to use the forklifts and get everything where it should be. Someone has to input all this inventory. Those are no longer $40,000, $45,000 people. This is not part of your general labor pool anymore. These are highly trained specialists, and the demand for them is overwhelming. It's just insane. Everyone wants one, needs one. And you're very hard pressed to find any with any level, even two years' experience now is considered senior. Um, so you're looking at fifty-five to sixty-five thousand dollars a year for a warehouse um, overseer, supervisor. I'm not even talking about a big warehouse manager. Just you know, your main person in charge of warehousing, and if you can find them. Mm-hmm. If you can find them, and uh, they have to be forklift trained, and really, it's it's an incredible uh, challenge for retailers to understand that they're probably going to pay their warehouse people now more mm-hmm. than some of their assistant managers. As- it's a shock to the system.
0: More person. than assistant managers in stores. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Because they're harder to find. It's a tighter specialty. Mm-hmm. They have to have a particular aptitude for it. You have to be willing to work in a cold, hot, uncomfortable environment in an environment where you need safety, safety, uh, training. You need certifications in forklift, uh, dangerous heights, uh, flammable goods. I mean, it's an entire world now that, um, that the big box people really created. Hmm. So yes. Uh, and it's- you can find an assistant manager more cheaply than you can find a warehouse supervisor.
0: Holy cow! No, that, that is that's
1: a big change. That didn't hap- That didn't exist before COVID.
0: Yeah, jeez. At all? No, it's interesting to see how things are changing. Uh, because
1: they are.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now stores. I mean, we're, we're seeing a situation where in some places I'm hearing that some stores are having trouble staying open and and may have reduced their hours, whether or not they're not open a certain day or they're not open as long during the day.
1: Um, That's very common now. Um, Many organizations have taken small volume stores and instead of being open the seven days a week, they're only open five days a week now. Mm -hmm. There are many stores that aren't open Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, because they simply can't staff them.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. You know,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? And and it's a misnomer to say that they if they can't staff them, they can't staff them at the price they're willing to pay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, which brings us back to our twenty five dollar an hour dishwasher out in Vancouver. Wow. The restaurant couldn't find a dishwasher. They advertised fifty thousand a year. They had a dishwasher the next day. <laughs> so it's it's an imbalance between what you're willing to pay. Are you willing to close your store to avoid paying three bucks an hour more? Well, a lot of retailers think that makes good sense for them.
0: Holy cow. And it doesn't, obviously.
1: It doesn't. It doesn't in terms of customer perception, customer brand loyalty, interrupts traffic patterns. It, it's a foolish thing to do, you know? But... Once again, remember, HR is married to these little things called pay bands Mm. that they negotiated a year in advance. We have this much money for this job title, and Lord, that's it. You can't borrow from another pay band to pop this up. We can't budge, not even a penny. Oh, But you can't take people and push them into pay bands. You're going to have to take pay bands and bend them to fit people. But this is not traditionally how h r has worked. Mm. you know they're they report to finance usually and uh, down to the absolute penny. Wow, so it's uh, it's a battle between h r and what the ground retail really needs and requires.
0: very interesting, very interesting. Now, let's talk a little bit about the situation you know missing office workers in our cities.
1: The great exodus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm curious to get your opinion right. on this. this. Is something that we also uh, chatted about quickly? Um,
1: you know, I was reading about it again in t- today in the Toronto Star yesterday, and you can probably look up an article there. Um, and it, they did a review which is saying that 77% of the office workers still aren't back no. in the major core cities. And the outlook for when they will come back isn't looking very bright. Mm. So let's take Eaton Centre. Eaton Centre only has two customers. One is the tourist mm. and the other is the office workers. If 77% of them are missing, who do they sell to? I mean, we could talk about the path as the world's largest empty bowling alley <laughs> right now, right? Sadly, but it is. Mm. And then we talk about the missing customers who are tourists. Eaton Center thrived on tourists. Well, how does this trickle down to staffing? Well, let's take the luxury stores. They are not going to have quarter of a million dollar pieces of jewelry sitting in the cabinet, sitting in the store that has no one to buy it because the tourists aren't coming through and the Bay Street guys are not coming over. What do you do with that inventory? You shift it. <clears throat> you shift it to the stores that are selling it and still have clientele. So, what has happened is that most of the better grade goods and the higher end stores have stripped themselves of the top products and the top brand names. Hmm. They've taken them out. You recognize Sureway all did this a year or two ago, anyway. Um, so, all the uh, top brands, the high commission pieces, are sitting in a very handful of locations. Um, If we're talking Ontario, it's either Yorkdale or Bloor and Avenue Road. Mm. They aren't there in Eaton Centre anymore. Well, the primary reason people work in luxury retail is for the top brands, is for commission. So if you don't have the newest pieces, the best pieces, the top designers, you're not making money anymore. So you're not making money anymore. Now you're back to making your minimum wage. But you have to schlep yourself to downtown Toronto. And maybe you were even paying for a place to live in downtown Toronto, which was great if you were making $100,000 commissions every year on these top, top brands. But that's gone. So what are you doing? You're giving up your apartment and you're moving out. You're moving out to wherever the burbs are. So it's almost this cycle has started where the, peop- the office workers didn't come back, the tourists aren't here, the stores pulled out the top brands, the biggest sellers for the other stores. So the downtown stores are left with a very medium grade of goods to sell, not necessarily the high commission pieces. So the salespeople aren't making the money anymore that they used to. They're not making the money they used to. They can't afford to live downtown. And thus the exodus is perpetuated. Wow. So so then they leave. So you see this, we have a tornado uh, of sorts. Uh, I'm not sure how it's corrected. People saying, oh, you know, the outlook's great. Workers will come back. Well, the only problem is, you know, almost all of the core of the city is not facilitated by people driving their cars to work in retail. It's facilitated by transit. Well, guess what transit has? Reduced hours, reduced routes, and exposure to crazy people who won't wear masks, (laughs) and the COVID bug. So we have this perfect storm of, you convinced me why I should work in downtown Toronto. I'm always amused when I see these grand announcements: uh, Google's coming, five thousand jobs, or you know, etc. And I'm always thinking, where do you think you're going to get them from? You know, maybe you steal them from somebody who's already there, another tech company. Yep. But um, you know, this is a much bigger problem: the vacancies in downtown Toronto than probably the commercial property people think. Hmm. Because en masse, the retail workers have decided, we don't want to work downtown anymore. Uh-oh. However, the upside is, from this same situation, is they're very interested in working street locations. So this is good for Bloor, Avenue Road, Ossington area, Queen Street area, Danforth. People are showing interest in working in retail where there's a front door. And traditionally, in the last few years, those are the guys who struggled to find staff in favor of Eaton Center. So the the staff has moved. They've moved physically. They've moved mentally. Uh, they go where, they, where the commissions are and where the risk is lower. If you can walk to work, your COVID risk just went down massively. So uh, these are things that the – a typical retailer, isn't even thinking about. Like, who really is going to, what. they just seem to be overwhelmed by, they're all leaving and none of them are coming back and nobody wants my jobs. But they're not thinking it through the way a retail worker thinks through. Why am I going into the Eaton Centre, having to take public transit for nowhere near the customer volume I'm accustomed to, without the best high commission brands and pay rent when I'm living on less salary now, something's got to give.
0: My goodness. Where do you think we're going to go from here? Let's wrap it up in terms of uh, the discussion today. Cause uh, I think there's so much to talk about, but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what we're going to see as we head into 2022. I think that, uh,
1: you know, you hear a lot about malls reinventing themselves to um, add housing And workstations and things. I think that the malls, if they reinvent themselves, uh, can bring some traffic flow back. Honestly, I think if the malls, this is going to be controversial, but I think if the malls had mandated no entry without VACs, you'd have the workers back, you'd have the customers back. Hmm. But they didn't, and they don't seem to want to.
0: Yeah fascinating we'll see where that goes in terms of
1: okay well we talked about a lot of things today
0: (laughs) vaccine from the ground i've
1: been talking to like 200 retailers in the last two weeks
0: thank you so much this is suzanne sears president of best retail careers international as well as the recently launched luxury careers canada as well as retail staffing canada thank you so much for joining us suzanne
1: signing off it's been a pleasure
0: and I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Take care and bye for now.